and welcome to the Project Podcast. I'm Dr. Sam, and with me is Dr. Robert. How are you, Dr. Robert? Well, I'm doing great. Just getting over a cold, so uh, I'm the better end of it, which is great. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great after all of our travel, but we have a guest here today that I'm so excited about. So Blake Dubay from Paw Print Oxygen, you're the co-founder and CEO, and I love having guests. It's like my favorite thing. So um, I'm really happy to have you here. We're both really excited that you came to join us. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, so yeah, I'm the founder of Paw Print Oxygen. And we make oxygen accessible to pets, pet owners, and veterinarians. So really how we got started on that initially was uh, we met a local veterinarian um, when me and my co-founder were in college, um, and she had no way to transport oxygen-dependent pets. I'm sure you guys have experienced this maybe when you're at primary care and you need to get the pet out uh, to the ER, right? Absolutely. Well, I'm I'm primary care and he's ER, so it's getting them from me Perfect. to Robert. <laughs> and yep, yes, exactly. we, we've definitely experienced that for sure. We've had those those animals that you're just you're just going to be there. I've, I had one one Frenchie. I think we were there until eleven o'clock at night because we just couldn't extubate him, and there were no other options. And unless he was going to walk out, we were just going to sit with him until he could breathe on his own again. <laughs> Exactly. And if that was you in, you know, a human hospital and you need to be referred, they'd call an ambulance, right? And you would get oxygen on the way. And unfortunately, that's just not really an option uh, in most places right now. So, you know, a lot of these pets just don't have a place to go. They can't go home. They can't make it to the ER. And unfortunately, that means a lot of expensive care or even euthanasia sometimes. Yeah. So we made this product specifically to get pets from A to B. That's how we started. Um, right here in Pittsburgh. And it really turned, it really opened our eyes to, you know, oxygen is used in so many different places. Um, it's indicated for so many conditions, but it's just inaccessible because of those big, heavy, high pressure tanks, right? And that's what makes it dangerous. Uh, so what we did is we uh, packaged the oxygen in a really low pressure, safe and portable way. Um, so it really like fits in the palm of your hand. It kind of feels like a can of sunscreen or a can of hairspray. Um, cool. And because of that, it's really lightweight and safe and easy to use. So pet owners can use this, not only just getting to the next facility, but they're using it home for tons of different conditions, whether it's a heart failure, a collapsed trachea or something like that. Wow. Wow. It's really helpful just because I know the number of like just getting transporting patients, but we have calls from our RDMs or primary veterinarians all the time saying, hey, we can't get them there because they can't breathe. And having something that's that small. And I don't think people realize how heavy those oxygen tanks are. Um, some oh, yeah. of them are little, almost as tall as I am, and they're all steel. Yep. They're just massive tanks. So they're very expensive and very, we're not, heavy, we're not expensive, but they're heavy. So they're not fun to deal with. Yeah, and they scare people, right? It gives this idea that, you know, oxygen is is dangerous. And really, it's not. It's just the pressure at which it is held. So we we just made it, you know, a, a lot smaller and lower pressure because all of these pets, you know, the ones that tend to run into these issues, they tend to be smaller. Um, you know, smaller lungs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The and small actually, little fluffy could, guys with heart disease. <laughs> could you guys guess are the most common breed that we service? Now, we help all kinds of breeds, but the one that's the most common. I would have guessed French Bulldogs. That would have been my guess. Oh, we're yeah, not a lot. That's actually... Okay, Chihuahua. There we go. You're right. Chihuahua. Well, uh, <laughs> why? Because <laughs> there's so Heart I disease. mean, there's so many Chihuahuas <laughs> out there, right? Um, yeah. yeah, and we help them with a lot of different stuff. But like, like I said, it's just 
this could be used at home. You know, it makes the pet owner um, feel comfortable knowing they have something to really save their pet, whether they're managing their crisis at home, kind of like you would with an inhaler, mm-hmm. um, or just getting them back to that professional care. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we started that way, and then we started to realize that, you know, sometimes there's pets that even need longer-term oxygen, where they're in that oxygen chamber or something like that um, at the vet hospital, and there's just no way to get them out of that, right? Again, you would take oxygen home, you would have a nasal cannula in, it would be relatively inexpensive, um, but pets don't have that option uh, until we came along. And so now veterinarians can actually write a prescription um, where we set them up with a veterinary-grade oxygen cage and a generator in their home, and it's this really safe, managed way for them to give this longer-term oxygen without spending weeks in the hospital. That's wow. amazing, honestly, from my standpoint, because I know at ER we have a lot of patients that have like pulmonary hypertension or yeah. they've got, you know, congestive heart failure. They're doing fine in oxygen. They're happy. They're wagging their tail. Their parents are like, why can't I take them home? Because we open the door and all of a sudden they can't breathe. And we're like, that's why I can't take them home. So they close the door again. And it's tough for the owners because they're eating, they're drinking, they're otherwise 100% normal in there. But they're spending upwards of 1500 to $2,000 a day just to watch their pet in this little incubator and it's tough and it's very expensive and i love that this is like an alternative solution because it can literally save owners so much money and yeah i love it yeah and you oh go ahead oh no i'm just curious about so you set up because that that was my the the oxygen delivery like i get the tank um but is it much like the same way it's set up at the vet clinic where you have the you know the large canister and all that stuff Great question. So we don't deal with the high pressure like cylinder tanks at all. So what we do for those big, uh, for those chambers that you would need to fill up with oxygen is we use an oxygen concentrator. Um, And that's very similar to like, you know, if if, if grandma needs oxygen, for instance, um, and she's sitting at home nowadays, she wouldn't have a tank. She would typically have a little generator that kind of looks like an air purifier, right? You, You turn it on and it constantly generates oxygen just by taking in room air. Um, and it's really nice. So these have come a long way. They're really safe. They're not holding that oxygen at pressure and we can rent these units and they look like a little, like almost like a carry on suitcase size. Um, and they're so easy. I mean, you just turn them, plug them in, turn them on and they'll fill up your oxygen cage so we can do this safely. So we're trying to make it so you never need to worry about that oxygen tank running out or tipping over. It's just, you have this nice unit in your house where, you know, when you're done with it, you send it right back to us. And do you set, will you send it anywhere? Like, is it just local to Pittsburgh? Or, I mean, this sounds like something that everybody should have access to. <laughs> exactly. So we ship it everywhere. So we can do um, overnight delivery. Um, so this is actually something that we work, we work with vets on a lot because your guys' uh, input on the pet's care is really important here, right? Just because they're on oxygen doesn't mean that's the only thing they're on, right? And they might yeah, need yeah. that 24-7 care. Um, but as Robert said, when the time, when, when it is right, right. And they are eating, drinking, maybe just getting a few fluids and they're ready to go. That's where typically vets will call us or write us a prescription and we can get it there as soon as next day. And there, you know, we're doing all the, all the work of walking the pet owner through, cause it's a stressful time, right. Taking your pet home from the hospital. Um, and as vets are very busy, right. So we kind of take that over and hold their hand through this process. Um, and it's been, it's been really nice to kind of get to know these pet owners and see the value we're providing them by letting them bring their pet home and get better. 
Wow. Do you, do you find that you have more people that are, that, that are coming for the, the cage aspect of things or the portable oxygen sort of like acute intervention sort of thing? What, where do you find that you're, you're getting more traction? Yeah. Great question. So I think a lot of people, um, and immediately think they need the oxygen cage and the concentrator, the bigger system, because that's what you're used to seeing, right? That's what your pet is on in the ER. Um, but luckily for us, pets don't get as much um, kind of chronic respiratory disease as uh, humans. So humans get, you know, COPD where you need oxygen kind of constantly. Um, pets can get that, but it's less common. A lot of these conditions, they really just need a little bit of oxygen to get over these episodes and get back to normal. Because as you know, some of these pets have a tough time regulating themselves. So mm-hmm. most of the time we, we are selling a lot more of our portable oxygen kits. So even if they, if they come looking for one product where we're steering them in the direction that we, we know is right based on the veterinary advice. And so it could be a pet with a collapsed trachea who's using our kit for five minutes a day, um, you know, administered through a pet oxygen mask. To kind of get them out of that cycle and get them back to normal. Mm -hmm. So we do that for a lot of conditions from, you know, laryngeal paralysis, even feline asthma. We work with a lot of cats. Um, So, yeah, we find that the oxygen kits are probably more broadly applicable to a lot of these conditions. Yeah, I once had a I once had a Frenchie owner who had experienced like basically acute respiratory distress in one of her other dogs. And so that was she she was like, "I, I need some sort of way to get if this happens to because she had like four frenchies so she's like well it's inevitable it's gonna happen to one of the other ones yeah so i thought it was frenchy um that she wanted to have that on hand and gosh you know i'm gonna go back in that record now and see if it was you all that she found and i, I didn't realize <laughs> everything that you guys have to do because it's i mean that she did she was that's what she was looking for and she needed a, a prescription and everything so yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, and and that's been a really nice way for us to really communicate with the vets, and because a lot of a lot of times this is new for veterinarians too, right? You guys are used to seeing the big yeah. tanks, so then we get the chance to kind of educate you guys and show you, you know, what's new in oxygen. And a lot of times that means a vet is, you know, buying our kits, having them in their hospital ready to transfer. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But it's sometimes you guys are for even more than that. In fact. We started just with this idea of transport, right? Let's transport from from primary care to ER. And it was vets like you that were coming back to us saying, hey, I use this in radiology when, when a cat goes dysmic, or I use this on dog walks or triage or comfort room. So it was the vets finding new use cases for this that's really opened us up beyond just, you know, oxygen is needed in transport. Can I ask with the with the canister, so like the smaller one, how how long does it last for? Yeah, so it depends on the the pet size. So basically, we have you know different flow rates based on the pet's weight, um, but it'll go up to thirty minutes per canister. Um, and typically, we're giving them a kit that lasts around ninety minutes. Um, so what's nice is you know that's typically enough for a transfer um, generally. But then we'll have pets that get it for home use, where it might be. Um, a laryngeal paralysis case, for for example, we found that about five minutes of oxygen at the onset of a uh, of an episode is enough to bring them out of it. Um, whereas you might be work- used to these pets presenting after having cycled for two to three hours, and right. now they're in such bad shape they need a night in the oxygen cage. So um, we actually just did a, a big study with our customers from the last uh, two to three years, and we found that 
for some of those conditions, it takes a surprisingly small amount of oxygen through that face mask to just kind of reset them and, and bring them back to normal. Wow. I guess that was my question. How's what's the delivery system? Is it is it like a a mask that you kind of have to train them to? What what are you? What does it look like? Yeah, yeah. So I didn't really visualize it for you guys really well, and usually I have <laughs> it right next to me. So um, yeah, so it's kind of like like this um, almost like hairspray size bottle that is so light you couldn't even tell if it was empty, right? It's it's very uh, very lightweight because it's just oxygen, and then that connects to a, a very easy to use like little regulator. Um, so you just twist it in and turn it on. It's one fell swoop. And then the oxygen is is in and it's it's working, right? It's coming out. And it's administered through this uh, pet oxygen mask, right? This tubing that goes to a, one of our uh, uh, specific pet oxygen masks. It's called the PureVent pet oxygen mask. Um, and typically what we find is uh, we don't really have a lot of issues with compliance um, with the pets accepting the mask. And there's a few reasons for that. So one being with the pet owner at home um they're typically a little less stressed out um yeah the mask has a lot of visibility through it um so the pet can kind of see what's going on and then what we found is if you're masking a pet that truly needs oxygen they typically feel that something is helping them after a little bit and they continue to breathe whereas if you mask your you know totally fine pet who's just panting normally they're probably not going to want to have anything to do with it, right? right? So we have a few tips and tricks we, we show to uh, these pet owners. Um, they actually, it's actually a little different from maybe the anesthesia mask you guys are used to with that rubber gasket and things like that. Well, um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a lot different, so it's a lot more comfortable for these pets to use. Does, does the oxygen have any sort of an odor? I know that's an odd question, but I feel like sometimes that's what they kind of have a problem with with their bigger machines. So I'm just curious if these have any sort of odor. So, Not that so, a yeah, they don't smell, but the dog could smell. Yeah, so oxygen um, uh, shouldn't unless it's coming from like sometimes those big machines, right? Yeah. Might might uh, smell they like do. they've been working <laughs> a little hard or something yeah. like that. So yeah, so from from the canisters, that's not an issue, and that's also why the mask is really important because they don't want to smell this rubbery, cheap plastic smell, mm. right? They want to they want to uh, smell nothing ideally, or we'll scrape a little peanut butter in them um, for you know a pet who's especially uh, difficult. So we do a lot of treat training is what we suggest where hey if you pull this mask out right when you get it and you you pretend to use it and you show it to your pet they understand that you know this is something i'm familiar with i'm okay with is safe instead of just waiting to open this kit at the first sign of like an emergency right <laughs> you get it out you get you you and your pet familiar with it and things like that so it's, it's all these tips we've learned over the past couple of years working with these uh, i think it's been like six thousand pet owners now have been prescribed these kits Oh, wow. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, and I, I think, honestly, the stress thing is a really big deal because the number of pets that get worse as soon as they're in the hospital, it, like, magnifies exponentially. It's like they get in here, all this stuff is going on. They're breathing. That wasn't maybe, like, you know, 30 breaths per minute. It's, like, 60 all of a sudden. And any condition that has that much worse. So being able to do it at home is really kind of a luxury. Not that they should replace care, but if it's something that you can like, prevent it from having in the first place, it's really, really pretty cool. Uh, I, I love that. Makes my job and, and that's where you're, you make a good point. That's where your like advice as a vet is so important here because if if a congestive heart failure case is being prescribed our, our oxygen kits, that's great. That's going to help them stay alive on the way back to you. But it's not going to mean that their their episode is going to end, right? That once those those things decomp, they need to get right back to you. Whereas you know the the collapsed trachea, the asthma, the the dynamic obstructions. We can actually stop them 
before they become an ER visit. So, you know, there's so many different reasons a pet might need oxygen. And that's why we've always kind of gone through our vets to introduce this to the pets, get them comfortable with it. And we, we really hope it's becoming a standard of care now for some of these conditions. Do you find any vet clinics kind of wanting to keep that? So the way that you describe the oxygen cage, um, just because, you know, it, it, it's expensive for you to have the big canister. And I mean, that's how like, that's how we deliver oxygen during, you know, anesthesia or, or things like that. But those are short period of time. And we don't even have like an oxygen tank for like long periods of time. We usually just end up, you know, oxygenating them as needed and then trying to get them out the door, like you mentioned, um, just because I'm not an ER, you know, I'm just a general practice. And I I like the sound of of just like how you're using that so that you're not you're not dependent on this canister. You you kind of always have this perpetual ability as long as there's room air, you can always make more oxygen. Is that am I understanding that correctly? You're exactly right, and we're selling uh, we're we're working with a lot more vets on that because they found that they're either dependent on one canister or just their anesthesia system, which nowadays you might always be using that anesthesia system for actual surgeries and dental and things like that. So you can't bring that pet out from the radiology table just to give them oxygen, right? Mm -hmm. So we do a lot of that where we, we actually sell the, the cage, we the chamber, oxygen chamber we sell is a veterinary grade chamber. So um, it was actually originally designed for vets. And uh, so we have a lot of veterinarians just uh, kind of get that in their clinic. And it's something that's super easy. It, it folds up and folds down. So mm. you stow it away when you don't need it. You pop it right up when you're ready. And then you turn on the oxygen cage. So yeah, we, we sell a lot to veterinarians as well. So there is the option to kind of own this thing versus just renting it. Or does it, do they just rent it from you forever? No, the, the veterinarians typically purchase our equipment. And yeah. we have more, <laughs> even, even more like kind of like industrial grade things for them to set up because um, I think that the tanks are kind of get going out of style, right? They're more going into these oxygen generators where you set it and forget it um, and things like that. But pet owners typically, you know, ideally no pet really needs to live in oxygen, right? It might be a, a pneumonia case where you know, they just need it for a few more weeks or even palliative care. We've Some of our most, I think, meaningful work has been with, you know, a pet owner who their family needs another week, right? They're not ready to make that decision mm -hmm. on a Tuesday at 2 a.m., right? When yes. this, when this uh, you know, event happens. So we help them get a little more comfortable and it really can save the relationship with the vet a lot too, because you, yeah. you guys are both between a rock and a hard place there. So we help you out of that. And, and then, you know, you want to return the equipment, right? You don't need that anymore. So, right. you know, that's no, kind of how we work with these. It's great that they have that option, especially, what you said, I think, is really true. Euthanasia, it's so important how you help a dog at the end of their life or cat at the end of their life. Um, and I think the one of the worst ways to die, truthfully, is to suffocate to death. And so yep. generally, yeah. I will tell people, like, that's a hard line, you know. And there are people, and I've definitely come up against those people that are like, well, I don't want to, I would rather euthanize them here, even if I'm not ready and I wish I had more time or like you said, I could bring them home and they could say goodbye to the family or whatever it is, but I don't want to go to the emergency clinic where they're strangers. My dog or cat is not comfortable there. And no offense, yeah. Robert, but <laughs> sometimes they, sometimes they, they really, they'll, they'll, they'll do anything to be able to like get them a couple more days to get them to me. 
who's known them their entire life so that I can be the one to euthanize them. And you know what I mean? And I I never, exactly. I didn't realize like that was even an option, honestly. Yeah, no, exactly. And, And a lot of times that's kind of the first thing that maybe vets or people think of us for is, you know, like, like that use case, which, which is definitely part of it. And sometimes there's a pet that's not right for it, right? And the quality of life can't be maintained just through oxygen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But a lot of times, you know, that those couple of days can mean the world as far as that relationship, just, just with the family alone. So that, that I think is a really uh, important thing. A lot of our oxygen kits are more kind of like preemptive right before that, because you have, yeah. you have a pet with a collapsed trachea that could live for, you know, years and years with a great quality of life. But want you know you come home one day in the summer and he gets too excited and it's hot out and you know that could that could spell trouble um but even then we've had some kids just for a pet that is near the end it helped them get back to the vet for a dignified euthanasia because you know one of the worst ways to go is in the car and that's that's really the car on the way has been really sad so we've had pet owners just reach out saying Hey, you know, it was his time, but you helped us get there and give him kind of this dignified passing. And, you know, that means the world to them as well. So mm-hmm. I think that's Ooh. awesome, man. It's, uh, cause we see that all the time and just, yeah. even uh, like over the holidays, I think I had two patients that, unfortunately, the other side of the line that Sam was talking about was like, we don't believe in euthanasia and their pets were having a hard time breathing. Mm-hmm. And usually I agree on it. That's a hard line from like, I don't usually let you go home, but I can't force people to stay. And they'll give me the option to go home with something like, hey, I know the rest of your family's coming home this week. They, they want to make it to see the family. I get that. Uh, or go back to their primary vet for the euthanasia. That's a, that's a really big deal. So, uh, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm going to tell my clinic about it when I get off this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Um, I, I'm curious about, so I think what, what people might want to know, too, is like the sizes. You know what I mean? Because some people have Great yeah. Danes. So <laughs> what do they do? Exactly. So, so the kits come in kind of like, you know, color coded, uh, uh, sizes, if you will, just kind of like how you would buy your flea and tick and things like that. I mean, really the only, it's the same oxygen, right? It's just a different mask size for your pet and then a different flow rate for, uh, you know, different pets because, you know, Great Dane is going to need a lot more oxygen for those big lungs than, yeah. than a tiny little chihuahua. Um, so the, the kits, you know, uh, they're pretty self-explanatory for the oxygen cages. Um, we can fit up to a 70 pound pet typically. So we have three different size cages and the biggest one is, yeah, up for a 70 pound pet. Um, and right now, if, if your pet is over that, typically it's, um, more of either a nasal line or kind of, kind of masking. Um, so do you have that as well? Do you have nasal, nasal cannulas, I guess that would be, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's more kind of like what you guys would use like a red rubber catheter for. Um, right. And it's typically if it's longer term, it'll be stitched in. Um, but the, the way we kind of see is, you know, any pet, of course, can need oxygen due to like a trauma or something like that. But okay. the most common conditions are, you know, a lot of pets under 30 pounds with these these conditions I keep bringing up, the heart failure, the collapsed mm-hmm. trachea, the LARPAR, um, a lot of pneumonia uh, as well. But I'd say so so much pneumonia that year this year that I'd say some of it is misdiagnosed possibly and it might be that mystery respiratory disease I heard you guys talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, Although that can lead to pneumonia, so <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So we've done some some work with that. I I don't I'm not spreading alarm bells by any measure. Um, it hasn't been super prevalent or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, a lot of these different conditions are, uh, you know, more, more for that oxygen kit style rather than that big oxygen cage. 
Yeah. And Robert, especially seeing trauma like you do, like a pulmonary contusion. I mean, that's there's nothing you can do but just give them time on oxygen, right? Exactly. I mean, that's it. Yeah, just give them time on oxygen. They usually do they do great. They just need some time. And I guess I'm curious for the oxygen uh, concentrator, how what's the level of concentration it gets up to? Is it up to like 60% oxygen? So they're really good nowadays. They go up to 96% oxygen, which, you know, that's, yeah, that's really far. Yeah, no, these things are, I mean, I always say like, these are, these are things that like, um, because they were designed for people with respiratory disease, they are designed so, so well. Um, and they, you know, they have to work, right? Someone has to rely on them 24, seven, 365, because some of these people need oxygen, like 10 liters a minute. For you know the rest of their lives, so um, it's certainly not too tall of an order to use something like this for you know a couple hours a day um, for your pet or something like that. Can I? So, is there any way people are able to to check their their saturation, or is there like, or do you have like pulse ox that you're pairing, yeah, or anything like that? Another very interesting question because pulse ox is always such such an interesting thing. So pulse ox is a really not a good way to measure oxygen in a pet because it's so hard to do. Yeah. And typically, um, a lot of pets uh, can look like they have a great pulse ox and somehow they're still in respiratory distress, right? Mm -hmm. So we do a lot of education behind um, really showing pet owners the signs of respiratory distress, knowing what's normal for their pet. And then knowing what's not normal, the abdominal recruitment of breathing, right? Breathing right. with the belly, uh, blue tongue, certainly. Um, but to, to your original question, um, the way our cage works is it's actually pretty cool how it sets the oxygen level. Because as a vet, you can prescribe a certain oxygen level from zero to about 60%. Huh. Yeah. Um, and the reason we do that is because typically... Um, if you put a pet at over 60%, they're actually at risk of uh, hyperoxia or oxygen toxicity. Mm -hmm. um, so we find that a lot of vets in the hospital kind of start at that 40% marker. And there's these Venturi fittings on the side of the cage. And basically what they do is they're going to draw in a certain amount of room air, however much they need to hit that oxygen percentage. Hmm. And what's really cool about that is by giving them uh, even more room air to cycle through that cage, that's what's dealing with the heat, the humidity, and the carbon dioxide yeah. that is that, so important to monitor. Yeah. That was like literally my next question. I'd be like, so how exactly yep. are you dealing with the... So how a $30,000 veterinary oxygen cage work, you know, mm -hmm. where you, you change out all those beads every like 30 minutes is, mm -hmm. you know, they have all these sensors for managing heat and, you know, you need to change out those CO2 beads every half hour or something like that. Um, how we do it to make this affordable for pet owners is we use this Venturi system that's basically going to just force enough air through that system. Think of it almost like a fan in your cage um, that is uh, dilute. So it's putting a lot of 40% oxygen in there. So instead of just trickling in a lot of, or a little bit of high purity oxygen to eventually mm -hmm. get that cage up, you're immediately sending a lot of this 40% mixture in. And it's enough to make sure you're diluting the CO2 that your pet is breathing out. Cause you can't just put your pet in a box. Right, right. no, no. <laughs> and that's where everyone goes wrong trying to do yeah. it at home. You, you, it's so dangerous to do um, and, and you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. I agree hundred percent because every owner that I've talked to is like, well, I can't take my dog home just buy an oxygen cage. I'm like, there's so much that goes into an oxygen cage, like the right. humidity, the CO2 exchange, like 
all of that. And uh, I think it's great that you guys solve a lot of those things because uh, it's good. It's good to be a, it's a resource now to be able to send them home because I didn't really know go to them for this. To be honest with you, so no, it's great. Well, and, and and I think too, just in in the whole because of how complex it can be, it is almost like for for like GP where we don't we don't see enough sort of reason where we, we would if we if they need to be in an oxygen cage we're usually referring them to go straight to emergency yeah. you know what i'm saying but some, sometimes people things walk in and we we can't we we have to take them and we're gonna do what we can but yeah. um but it is like a barrier to entry on some level for some of us because of how complex and expensive those cages are it, oh, it's yeah. just not worth it for not that it's not important but we can only and, have and so it's many by the way things. You know, in, you know, that just the GP comment, right? It, this is too complicated for most like specialists and everything like that. And that's because, you know, most drugs, you, you have a dosage if you're given what orally or through a shot or something like this. Mm -hmm. Oxygen is also totally dependent on the administration method. Right. So whether we're giving it nasal or through a mask or through an oxygen cage is it all completely changes the dosage guidelines and gases are just complicated, right? So we mm -hmm. never expect, I, I've heard some some horror stories of vets needing to, you know, call grandma's oxygen shop and try to arrange some sort of system, like try to rig something together because they have no other option, Yeah. right? Yeah. And so we kind of came around for that and said, hey, we'll be your expert. We know all about this, this, this one thing, right? Respiratory distress and, um, you know, we'll really walk you through it if you want to learn, but certainly your pet owner, right? And we'll make sure they're doing everything safely. So it's it's very much not just like a we sell you a product. Like we are spending a lot of time on the phone with these owners and really walking them through everything. And so do you have like, because like for veterinarians, because yeah, we understand it, but if we're not using it all the time, we're certainly not above needing, you know, education on some of these things. And if you are above it, I'm concerned because I'm not <laughs> yeah. like I. I always have questions. I'm always trying to learn more, and it, it was something that I haven't used. I, I'm I'm I am that I will want all the information. That's how I am. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we always want to do education with vets because like yeah. it's these conversations. So we'll always you know um, look to train vets who buy our product. But even beyond that, we do webinars and things because yeah. it's where we learn stuff too. We'll have a vet who brings a totally new use case where they. They stopped by us at, at VMX, uh, this conference we met at, and yeah. said, you know, I was just using this um, for canine working dogs in the field um, or something like that. We, we sell a lot of our masks to firefighters, and we didn't know that yeah. until they called in and told us they were buying it. So it's all these use cases where, where we learn a lot about where this can be used, but we'll show you how to use it correctly, right? Yeah. It's great, we, man. We I'm, should I'm, actually I'll... introduce you to... Um... Barrett's O2 muzzles. Have you ever uh, met Talis, him? Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Yes, I've heard. I've heard of them. What he's doing is is really cool as well. Yeah, yeah, the, he's um, great. The, uh, O2 yeah. muzzle. Yeah, yeah. You guys, you guys should could should have a chat. <laughs> we'll have yeah. to we'll have to introduce you guys because yeah, I think that there's some overlap there, and that I know was one of the things that that they found challenging was getting oxygen to those dogs in those situations in a safe way because of of what you were saying about transporting large oxygen tanks but man this this kind of solves that problem um and if i mean there's tons of working dogs that would benefit from this and i wouldn't even have known to tell him that when we spoke to him before so um yeah. i think we need to make that introduction because i feel like you guys would Listen. you have some overlap there <laughs> yes exactly yeah this is i always say like it all goes to show like how like truly like 
uh, deep and universal the need for oxygen is, right? It, it's just like it's in so many places. But and if you could just, I always tell people like vents, especially imagine like if oxygen was just a pill you took, where would you use it? And that kind of helps them dissociate it from that big, heavy tank. So they think of that that pug during a toenail trimming, you know, who, who freaks out or, or that that owner at home because they're not thinking about these heavy tanks. So, yeah, we're it's really fun space to be in because at, at the start, it sounds really niche, but we get to deal with so many different pet owners and vets and pets. So did you have a background? Like, what was your background that this was even something that was accessible to you to be able to Yeah, do so, so this all started um, at the University of Pittsburgh. Um, and I was actually working on making these oxygen tanks smaller for people with respiratory disease. I'm a chemical engineer by background. Okay. Um, and uh, my co-founder um, had experience in respiratory therapy. Um, so you can see how we kind of got together to work on, on that. And then it was when we met this local veterinarian who uh, who needed help uh, transporting a pet that we really just made this kind of like as a favor, right? As a, you know, yes, we can do this. Let's check it out. And we didn't really realize how big the need was. So, you know, these oxygen concentrators for people have come a long way, but that that didn't help a lot of pet owners getting from A to B or using it in their home. So we really found we can make a difference in the pet owner space. And it's been even bigger than we initially thought. So, so now we're a hundred percent veterinary. That's really that's, cool. That's, yeah. I, I'll see. Um, have you seen any hospitals convert entirely from like the old oxygen tanks to the oxygen converters? Cause I wonder if that's a thing. Cause it, you yeah. never run out of oxygen in the hospital or be running close to it, like on a holiday or something like that. Mm. There's more times I'd like to mention on air. So uh, <laughs> I'm <laughs> curious, like, but if you had an oxygen converter as like a backup, even as a backup, but you were like, would, have people used it as a full-time system? I'm curious. Yeah, mostly. Actually, it tends to be the reverse where they'll just use that because it's essentially free oxygen that you just generate. And then you have one tank in the back in case the power goes out or something like that. Right. Um, so that's typically what people do. And we'll have GPs where, you know, they might get an, uh, like, we can actually power your anesthesia system through I, an oxygen I was literally just going to ask that. I was like, kid, does that work together? <laughs> yes. So uh, yeah. most new ones, uh, that's the preferred method um, is to use that. So a lot of our GPs is what they'll do is, you know, they'll have an anesthesia system with this concentrator. Maybe they'll get one of our cages that they can, you know, pop up when they have a pet that comes through the door. But other than that, they'll have a few kits on hand because most of the time when they're administering this oxygen, it's for five to 10 minutes before they refer or while they're moving them. So we found that like our, our one GP, we always said she just like keeps a uh, canister like in her coat pocket. And that is literally <laughs> how easy and lightweight it is. You know, weighs less yeah. than your phone is what I t tend to say. Wow. Well, yeah. I got to the hospital afterwards. We'd be like, hey guys, got a fix. Um... Yeah, and that's why we do the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always learning. to educate one learning. veterinarian at a time. Hopefully, this will go a lot faster to a whole bunch of people. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> I think it's pretty incredible what you guys are doing. And uh, if, if they want to learn more information about all of things, uh, what's a good place for them to find? Yeah, it's pawprintoxygen.com. And I'd like to think if you just Googled oxygen for dogs, we'll be the first ones that show up. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, we have a lot of resources for uh, pet owners and veterinarians, both sides of that. So definitely visit. And I always say, just give us a call. You know, we are always open for people to call and learn, especially uh, those veterinarians. So um, we're open there too. Wow, that's, I, I, I think this is really awesome. And I, I mean, I've 
I have myself have had people ask for this specifically. So I, I know there's a need. I know there's people who, who want this. Um, and certainly it gives us a lot of flexibility then because we have to refer things. Um, so that's very cool. If anybody has questions for us and we can always give them to you too, um, they can always email us at, um, posit at my balto.com. See, it's there's been like, we're way. And then I, <laughs> we're all at a conference. Is it podcast at my balto.com? Isn't it? Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> podcast at my balto.com. Forget what it's I just said. We took a week or two off because of VMX, so it's been we did. There. I know VMX. I I spoke so much. I'm I'm amazed I even have a voice anymore after that. Were you totally hoarse after it? Yeah, I mean, you get you get back to your hotel after a day at a conference. You're like, I don't want to talk to anybody, <laughs> just to save your voice, right? So it's, yeah. I'm finally recovered. But yeah, it's it's nonstop. But hey, that that's what meant that makes the day go way faster, huh? Oh yeah. Yeah, and it was it was I think a really nice I think it was a nice conference. I was I was really happy with it. I was really happy that you came by to say hi too because I was really excited to get to talk to you. And this is um this is really good. I I I hope that that uh you guys keep continuing doing what you're doing because I think it's it's really great what you're doing. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you guys having me on here. We'll take every opportunity to learn and talk to our vets. So thank you guys. Absolutely, and we really appreciate you coming. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been the Posit Podcast. Thanks everyone for listening.